0: BLOB TALK RADIO You can go home, now. We have already taken out the garbage. I wanted to question them. We have the answers we need. I guess that means I have questions for you. Goodbye, Captain America. We need to talk. Maybe you just lop off the head of every newcomer who hits town. If we did that, you wouldn't have yours. But those Nazis were here. For a reason. Yes. To steal our vibranium. The mineral that can only be found here, in Wakanda. Hitler needs it for the next generation of their missile systems. As do you. These are dangerous times. You need to choose a side we have our own we take our borders very seriously and you have crossed ours now look here mistake
1: <laughs> okay buddy
2: i've just about had it. you're just plain <laughs>
0: Move back. I've been following your fledgling career, Steve Rogers. How did you know my name? I think in time, you will represent to your nation what the Black Panther represents to Wakanda. And that is a good thing. But today, I must teach you a lesson.
3: You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight
4: and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. That's the on air sign up ahead. Your next stop Afro Radio. With your guides, D-Bert, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. Mind Expansion Engage.
5: Can't believe it That we finally made it folks Guess what This is the grindhouse And this is officially Emancipation day Civil war has arrived Wow Boy do we have a lot to talk about We'll try to make it spoiler free folks We have a lot to discuss Beyond civil war but I can tell you This is a game changer The caller number Always a constant. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Again, six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. The gang is all here, folks. Feel free to contribute, to contest, to give us your opinions, your protestations, what have you. It doesn't matter. It's going down. Anyway, another chief component of the Afro nerd radio machinery. We deal with urban alternative groove, black rock and roll, psychedelic soul, and progressive hip-hop so without further ado it's party time folks let's go to some actually something i failed to to uh to, to mention with the litany of music revisionist or revivalist soul music this is the great charles bradley how long we'll give you about two minutes of this and then we'll re- you'll get right into the discourse charles bradley how long let's groove <laughs> on with the discourse. First up, Captain, you're needed in the ready room again. Let's get to it.
6: Let's get started.
7: All right,
5: you know this, gentleman. I'm sure you really can't wait to our listening audience to, to see, or to, pardon me, to hear his point of view, to see at some point in the future, but to hear his point of view. This is the uncanny Daryl B. All
2: right, Zack Snyder lovers, guys who said that I was wrong, you'll see when Civil War comes out, I'm here. I notice all of you are quiet on Twitter now. I guess you saw the movie. Ha! Let's get started.
5: <laughs> all right. This is his doppelgangers. I'm going to start calling her... Uncanny pardue or uncanny 2, this is the lovely Claire Lane. Claire. Ebert. Hey. How are you, girl?
4: I'm doing all right. How are you?
5: Pretty good, pretty good. Listen, I'm excited. You you sound very calm. That must mean something. You sound calmer than normal. I can sense well, these the things. Calmness
4: the calmness, I will just be honest with you, it's sleep deprivation, but it's all good. I mean, the Russo brothers have yet again confirmed their rightful place in the MCU.
5: Ladies first, what are your thoughts about Captain America Civil War, this weekend's initial release, Marvel Comics?
4: I mean, I'm, I'm overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed, and I mean that in the best possible way. I mean, there's a lot going on in this movie. And, you know, for a movie that is almost two and a half hours, it doesn't in any way drag on or let up. I mean, the first maybe 25 minutes or so, I mean, it's just kind of setting it up for you, laying out the groundwork, you know, but I'm once the action... You know, once the machine gets rolling, I mean, there's no stopping this train. I mean, it is an amazing ride. I mean, for a couple guys that have really primarily done, you know, sitcoms, you would never have known that based on what you see in this movie. The the stunts, everybody, everybody, and there's a lot of... There's a lot of people in this, in this movie, and I've even t- joked about that, that if you read the cast list, there's like 17 characters, but everybody gets a chance to shine. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's funny. Ah, bring on the humor. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody says. The humor is such an integral part of being able to digest all of the, the, the chaos and, and 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 the mayhem. But that alone, I mean, worth the price of admission, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of heart. And if any of you forgot how damn good of an actor Robert Downey Jr. is, I mean, this will remind you. This will remind you of how fantastic he is. I mean, there's there's a lot of scenes that I in fact, had a hard time watching because we have come to love these characters so much and to see them pummel each other, hurt each other physically, emotionally. I mean, it's 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 stellar, stellar work, fantastic work. And, and the Russo brothers were not kidding around when they told you that this was going to be a seismic shift in the MCU, because indeed it was, indeed it was. And I'm... Oh, I'm biting my tongue. Oh, I oh, I can't wait. Can't wait until we can start getting into some spoiler territory. Oh, I can't wait cuz there was a lot of stuff that went on in this movie. A lot.
5: Yeah, we we have to be careful with that. Uh we you have to kind of you know, be respectful to the listening audience that has not seen Civil War. Although I can tell you this much, it was somewhat frustrating, Claire, to be uh looking at Twitter and somewhat and somewhat uh well, I had to stay away from Twitter yesterday because the excitement from the, from the nerds, the blurs, the nerds of, nerds of color, that you know, nerds of all shades that were into this thing that had had happened to see a Thursday night showing or Friday morning showing, they were just cutting loose with all kinds of tidbits. I said, listen, I have to wait till Saturday at 6 a.m. This is how crazy it is. Also, uh, I'm seeing that this is becoming a thing also where folks are going to these these movies, these type of movies. Very, very early. They're invested at 5 a.m., at 6 a.m., which means you must be uh, a screw loose like yours truly and the inner sanctum uh, from our crew that went this early. But it felt good to, to have a full day and to really be up that early in the morning to really enjoy something that you, that's really a part of your hobby. So I'll say this much. I'll take second chair, and then I'll give it to the uncanny and, of course, Captain Kirk. Um, folks, if you haven't guessed it, this is Emancipation Day. Captain America Civil War. This is the third vehicle out of the Marvel franchise for Captain America specifically, and I think it's the 13th movie out of the entirety of the MCU. Um, I thought that Captain America Winter Soldier was the best it could ever be to, to a certain degree. Um, the beats that this movie took, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to play it very close to the cup, I don't want to give anything away, really. But I'll say that, you know, you have quite a few surprises. We know that Black Panther makes his appearance. Uh, Some of the beats that I wanted to see and didn't necessarily expect to see, they were in this movie. So Ryan Coogler has an excellent setup for when the Black Panther gets his solo film in 2018. We know where he can go. But the things that I talked about and had issues with with some of the other uh, nerds, Twitter and in social media, uh, my I, I I was I was correct on this about the things that we needed to see between father and son and so forth. We saw that in this picture, um, and, and it it makes me lament. And, and let's not kid ourselves, DC and Marvel. And by extension, when we start seeing these other comic book houses move into the movie making foray, Marvel is the one to beat, and and it's unfortunate that DC just didn't get it. And this whole you know we know it's a rivalry; it's a rivalry that dates back to when Marvel was called Timely and when DC was called National Comics. It's a 70-plus-year-old rivalry. But when it comes to this movie thing, and all those barbs that were going back and forth between these houses and the players in the houses about how Marvel products are not serious enough and they're too joking and there's too much humor and DC represents a more serious kind of tone, I, I don't see any of that. I don't think that, that doesn't play any it doesn't hold any water, Claire. It doesn't hold any water because Captain America, uh, really, for the entire three movies, but specifically two and three, they've been really on this serious uh, cinematic vibe. The, the acting chops are up there. Um, a lot of things that you would, you would, we see in today's media and in today's politics play a role in this film about trusting the government and, and, and the government, government oversight. We saw that in this film. It plays like uh, a 1970s political thriller, except it's, it's got spies and folks with superpowers and super skills. I, I have absolutely no complaints. Uh, well, let me, let, me, let me reframe that. It's not an absolute perfect film if you are a, a complete comic book nut. Two things uh, that we we discussed at the theater once we saw this thing, and it's very minor, but if you're going to be accurate to the source material, um, T'Chaka, excellent actor, nothing to take away from T'Chaka. T'Chaka, of course, is the Black Panther's father. Uh, I would have wanted to see someone who is older, but more physical, physically imposing, someone who looks like he could put put on that suit. Not someone who looks like a Jomo Kenyatta or someone like you know he looked a little too too stately. He should have been someone. If it was someone like Denzel, I'm just saying, or Ernie Hudson, who I thought was actually going to be T'Chaka. But if it was a Denzel, that movie would have been fire because he would have looked more physically imposing. He would have had had that swagger. Um, that was a disappointment. Although the actor was a lovely, you know, it was a great actor, but I just thought how T'Chaka is supposed to play in the comic books, he's supposed to be someone who you could perceive uh, to have been in that suit. Not this gentleman. And also the power set, which is what we've see, seen in the trailers. R- really, um, Captain America taking on Iron Man, that, that power set wasn't, wasn't really accurate to the comics. Um, almost like Batman versus Superman. Unless you come in prepared... That Batman cannot take Superman on directly. We, we One thing that DC got right was we saw the the level of preparedness for Batman to take on Superman. Uh, we saw a little bit of Captain America, but when it really got to the point of a one-on-one, that really didn't play uh, true to the comic. But other than that, DC, they got to get it right. The Suicide Squad, we saw the trailer for that, a more of an extended trailer I'm a big supporter of Will Smith, but Will Smith playing Deadshot, if we're going to be honest, he's 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 a little too much on this uh a little too too phony, too much of phoning it in. Let's see more. He should be playing that character straight. He he, he seems like he's got that, that Will Smith jokey thing going on. Uh, that I'm uncomfortable with. So DC's not in a good territory to me. Anyway, I am going to hand the mic over to the Uncanny, the Uncanny Part (laughs) 1. Daryl, your thoughts on Captain America Civil War.
2: See, that's where you've just overstepped your bounds, because we haven't seen Suicide Squad yet, so you can't rip them yet, all right? Just hold off on that, because Suicide Squad hasn't been the problem. That has been tone perfect with the Gail Simone one, all right? With with how... um, John uh, Ostrander has done it. It's been tone perfect for that, just from the trailer. All right? So we're not there. So that's not the one to bring up. Suicide Squad ain't a part of this discussion yet. Wait, um, I'm... Yo, 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 yo. yo. I'll just ask this once. I shut down someone on Twitter, right? Okay? If you're going to use that drop, don't use it for me. Don't let that ignorant be anywhere around me. Respect me all right rsp anyway all right let me get to the movie let me get happy this was better than winter soldier this is the template that we have to form this on all right folks understand this okay we've told you the longest you can't color everybody under one brush all right? I'm going to go somewhere you guys didn't even expect me to go. I told this to Joseph Ellich. I told this to the black noobs. I told this to excuse me, comic noobs. I told this to the black geeks. You saw in one movie where blacks could be liberal, blacks could be conservative, blacks could be regal. Even the black henchmen held their own. They weren't just one punch fall down. They stood in the fight. I, that's, what, that's part of the things that made me proud in this. I was like, there it is. We can be strong too. All right? Folks, every, the best part of this movie, and Claire touched a little upon it, is everyone had a bit, a bit of nuance. There was no stereotypical stuff going on here, there was one, no one note characters. Even if, if, and I'm not spoiling anything here. Even Hawkeye, who came in, added a little depth to his character, all right? There is not one character here that was one note. Now, what I said to open my, my stance up when we, when we started the show, I got a lot of flack from DC fans calling me a hater. Because I went directly at Mr. Snyder for his comments about fun. There's no room for fun in a serious comic book movie. I have yet to hear from any of those guys that gave me flack on that. Why? This movie was dead serious. It's dealing with life and death. This is what this movie was dealing with. It's dealing with freedom. It depends on what issue you fall, left or right. But these were serious choices that these heroes had to make. There are friendships broken. We'll see that some of these heroes will never be the same again after this. (laughs) And uh, newsflash. Uh, Newsflash, if I'm Thanos up in space, I am laughing my balls off. Why? Why? I'll steal a line from infinity. Sir, it's easy pickings, because the Earth, they got no heroes now, but most importantly, they got no Avengers. I am smiling ear to ear, because the team will never, ever, sorry, Chris Jericho, ever be the same again. And you know, you know, there's some of those heroes that won't let it go. Now, here's where I have to do a mea culpa. Mr. Tom Holland, I am sorry to you, bro. I may really want an older Spider-Man. I may really want Miles Morales. But, dude, I can't argue. I can't say nothing. (laughs) What this makes me want is I hope the Russo brothers have a hand in that Spider-Man movie because that was perfect. Uh, that was, that, that's the Peter Parker I know in battle, as Spider-Man. That's the Peter Parker I know. Annoying, yet funny, yet heroic, but all heart. All heart. And I do all of this, I'll be remiss to talk about my guy, my hero, Captain America. Folks that said he's just the stooge of the government. I told you guys, go read The Captain. Because the, cap, the, the, the book, The Captain, will tell you everything that's going to happen in Civil War. Because that's how, that's how, if they get this movie right, that's how they have to play him. Where he's not representing the government, he's representing the American dream. That's all um, Captain America has ever fought for. The American dream, the ideal. You need to see this. If you're a comic book fan, you need to see this. Simply put, you need to see this, and notice I haven't even touched Black Panther yet because we're going to do a whole segment on Black Panther here because Don McGregor would be proud, Jack Kirby will be proud, Christopher Priest, I know he's proud Hudlin, proud David Liss, proud All I just listed folks, all the major writers on Black Panther before the Heesey Coates Mr. Coates the gauntlet's been laid. Please, carry this flag and run with it well. There is no better setup for your book now. I'm close to tears because this is what I've wanted for my life, and I got it. Thank you, Russo Brothers.
8: Thank you, Marvel. Back to you, Afronerd.
5: Well One quick thing before I pass the mic over to, to uh, Captain Kirk. Uh, you know, you and I have had this thing about Well, I mean, also the other folks Who are long-time listeners to Afro AfroNerd They know that, that uh, I'm, I, I am a big Prince supporter and it's What does Prince have to do with this? Uh, it, it, it has a lot to do with, with talent And with expectations And uh, seeing people of color doing the spectacular And I know that many of the things that are tangentially connected to Afro Radio, the music, our discourse, uh, the, the, the heavy people that we have. We have Claire, in effect, with us now. Uh, we don't play. So uh, what you said was very heartfelt, Daryl. And uh, I think that many of the, uh, the issues that we've had with other podcasters, I'm going to say this, and I know you, I know you understand where I'm coming from, Many of the beats that, we, that, that I, had com- I had talked about telling people these are the things that are necessary for this character to work, right? Uh, and these folks thought that I was just blowing smoke when I said that the, the father-son relationship between T'Chaka and T'Challa is an, is an important aspect of that character. And we saw that in a few moments. Uh, we saw a, a father and son, empowered father and son, African father and son, uh, connectiveness, um, like you said, royalty. Uh, We've seen that T'Challa goes to the beat of his own drum, even away from his father. We saw that too. This movie hit so many different cylinders that I needed to see that some folks thought, I'm not saying who, but some folks I don't think thought was a serious thing. Now, one last thing, and then we'll, I'll give it to the captain. We, as, as a part of this alternative media, we have to do what we can do to try to make sure that people understand that that type of mythology has to be seen on screen and supported. The Steve Harveys and the Tom Joiners, they're not going to get it. They're going to think this is some goofy, goofy comic book stuff. But I'm beginning to realize that when I see these characters, and I know that Claire knows this implicitly, because even Claire has has been very instrumental and kind of um, as fiery as I thought that we all are, we have another player involved in your your enterprise, and he or she kind of says, okay, wait a minute, it goes a little deeper than this. I'm looking at these trailers, Daryl, and I'm looking at, uh, let's say, uh, Independence Day, the sequel, which I have no desire to see. And they have uh, Thor's brother, Mr. Squarejaw. And you know that Will Smith is not going to be in the sequel for whatever reason. Maybe it probably was conflicting schedules, whatever. I am really getting tired of seeing the white male savior of the day. Because this goofy comic book science fiction fantasy stuff, I'm beginning to realize that being white males exclusively Not, listen I i, I have no qualms And I, it's not like I have something against uh, White people but, but we're talking about a cultural standard And we're talking about that That default positioning that Claire's always referencing When you don't see yourself on screen It, it makes it seem as if You can't fly Psychically, metaphysically It makes it seem as if you know, there's stem cell research. I'm getting real blurty now. There's stem cell research that that they're working on right now. This is real. This is real talk, as they say. Keeping it 100, like like uh, Larry Wilmore. There's stem cell research that they're working on right now that might actually raise the dead. That might rejuvenate dead brain cells. They're working on that. What does that have to do with comic books? When you see in fantasy and fiction. Yourself being able to do the impossible, it motivates you to guess what? Raise the dead, (laughs) go to Mars, send miniature spaceships to different quadrants in the solar system. So, this goofy comic book stuff is actually necessary in in the totality of things to be able for you to, to soar, to dream, to think of the impossible. It really is necessary. But if you don't see yourself, Having the answer every once in a while, it's a problem. And I'm starting to see it. I got to give a shout out to Claire for that. Uh, Not that I didn't know it, but I think she, for some reason, I think she put a period on it for me. I started noticing the stuff even more that it's to the point now I cannot tolerate it. We have to be able to soar. Okay, anyway, enough of me just on my soapbox. Cap, your thoughts on Cap 3.
6: Overall, I thought it was a very good movie. I wasn't blown away. I think it was better than Avengers 2, much better movie than Avengers 2. And, you know, I had some problem with uh, Captain America's power set and not one scene, not two scenes, but three scenes. And if we even go back into the comic books, we'd see times where with someone like Captain America, even the writers, they messed up. Normally they're real good at Marvel, DC, not so much, sometimes. Like, step into a different universe, as far as the comic book is concerned, so you can understand what I'm talking about. You're dealing with someone that, I'm going to go a little insider now, like Solomon Grundy. You know, one minute, he's just as strong as Superman. The next minute, you know, he's a little bit stronger. Another time, you know, he's rather weak. And, of course, you know, he's dealing with elemental energy, you know, with Solomon Grundy allows him to Rejuvenating everything else But a lot of times they really Not all the time But a lot of times Not all the time But a lot of times it really didn't explain it And sometimes DC Is rather funny like that As far as the comic books are concerned But Marvel is normally better But if you go back into the mythos You see Captain America Taking down Hulk And he, and they say things like well, uh, well, he was hitting pressure points How can a... Strong human hit pressure points on a person's skin Who's eight to time Eight to ten Kevlar vests Doesn't make any sense did not make any sense as a kid Doesn't make any sense now. Nah, that's just the writers messing up and I'm rather anal And picky you Because I notice things like that right away So that type of thing in the movie With uh, Captain America being all juiced up You know you have to stay consistent It makes better writing we go back in the past, like when you see Captain America dealing with Loki, and you see how easy Loki handled him, of course, because Loki's Asgardian, right? And Captain America quickly explained, yeah, we took him down a little too easy. You see, that's consistency, because he knows where his power level is. Everyone knows where Loki's power levels are, so it's consistent, right? When Hulk squares off against Thor, It's consistent. We know about Thor's strength level. You know there's other ways of him. You have warrior madness. You have the belt of strength. There's other things he could augment himself. And we also know the Hulk, the madder he gets, the stronger he gets. Real simple. But it stays consistent. It stays consistent. So that just bothered me a little bit. Other than that, I thought overall the movie was very well done. It's a good movie, and I think people should go out and see it. That's it. Back over to you, AfroLearn. All right, let's
5: open up the lines. Uh, we have quite a few folks clamoring to say their piece. So, uh, again, folks, we're talking about Captain America: Three, Civil War. This is the Grindhouse. Um, this is Emancipation Day. We finally made it. I'm going to see they gain at some point. Uh, repeat business is in. Is definitely at at play. Uh, I, I want to know what the box office takes on to be on this ultimately. This is going to be a 1.5, maybe more. Maybe a little bit less, but it's 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 gonna do what it's going to do. Four eighty four. Welcome to the grindhouse. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. I think I know what this is though.
8: This is Q Storm.
5: Thank you. Mr. Storm. Hey. What's up, man?
8: Happy belated birthday to Daryl.
2: Thank you, thank you.
8: <clears throat> okay. Where do your I thoughts, where do I begin thoughts. to attack this? Ah, uh, let's see. I'm gonna I wanna just pick up some adjectives. Epic, awesome, kick ass. Uh, stop making movies this year because you're not going to do better than this. (laughs) I I walked out, I want to be 50 years old this year. I walked out of that theater as though I had just walked out of Raiders of the Lost Ark, Empire Strikes Back, Jurassic Park, E.T. I had a smile on my face and I wanted to commune with the rest of the audience and let's talk about, do you believe what we just saw? I just saw my childhood one screen. The childhood where I would go with my boys from grade school, we would compare oh, can, can the Hulk beat him or could, could Spider-Man really beat Captain America or could they did that for me. That scene at the airport, I'm not going to spoil anything,
5: I would have paid the
8: price that I paid for the IMAX 3D ticket. If they had just put that scene on a loop for two and a half hours, the, length, the running time of the film,
9: yeah. I would have been,
8: I'm good. I'm good.
9: The uh, nerds uh, and it, geeks it, sitting it, next it, to me. It, it there's something.
8: There's something that Ant Man does. I'm not going to spoil it. When we saw that, we stood up and cheered. Okay, let me go back a little. Let me, let me go a little deeper. Black Panther, dope. The uh, Dora Malahi, if I'm pronouncing that right, dope. Okay. When I saw T'Chaka and T'Challa, once. Okay. Whoa. See? Same thing. Same thing. Okay. When I saw T'Chaka and T'Challa on screen talking, two black men in charge, talking in an African tongue, tears. Tears. This is all I wanted. I saw two black intelligent men, and I saw a man who had power, ability, intelligence, kicking ass. And I'll say it, kicking white boy ass. (laughs) And I'm like, this is what we, this is all we ask for. The Russos are God. That's all there is to it. This movie rocks.
7: Yeah, you know, uh,
5: about that you know I thought that um uh, you know when I talk about that black masculinity thing and it's, folks seem to think that I'm speaking some different language, but it it's important for folks to see it now you, know, you have you have sons if I, if I'm not mistaken um Q. and yes. uh, they they need to be able to see that uh fortunately or unfortunately as pra- I i mean, they see it in you but he, but it has to be replicated also. You know, uh, when when we were growing up, we saw a lot of things that were replicated constantly. Uh, now we're seeing – I mean, I know you didn't seem to take that much of an issue with it, but we're seeing football players – shout out to Ezekiel with Midriss. He's not Prince on stage. Uh, he, maybe he wants to be. Prince was on his own on that. I, I'm just saying, I like to see some semblance of, of, of men of color uh, – empowered, not taking any shorts, intelligent. We got a glimpse of Wakanda. I don't think that's really a spoiler. We got a glimpse of it. Uh, that, yeah, wow. Um, I can't wait for the uh, Black Panther film. Um, but the the beats on Catholic, uh, on Captain America 3, the fact that everyone, tonally, everyone seemed to have a fair share of screen time. I didn't feel like someone was was short. This is when you start to see, and this is again to the Russo brothers, you start to see the skill set in knowing how to masterfully put together a film. When you go back to someone like, um, uh, why am I thinking about Like I have, I have very little excitement about Apocalypse, I'll confess. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. But uh, who's, the, who's the director for Apocalypse? I should know. Um, Don't tell me what's singer. the singer.
4: Yeah, it's Brian Bryan Singer. Singer.
5: Up. Brian, yeah, <sighs> Brian Brian Singer. Listen, hopefully we'll see something different. But you see, you see how he can't juggle characters. You know, uh, Halle Berry throughout the entirety entirety of the, to me of X Men has never really gotten full screen time. She's just a a, a model, you know. But when you see the Russo brothers and even Josh Wheaton to a lesser degree, although I think Russo's have surpassed him, at least Wheaton can juggle juggle some characters around. But Singer can't do it. And you start to see that this has a lot to do uh, no one's a master. I'd say he may he may be an auteur. There's a select few folks that know how to actually craft a movie. You know, where you know that at best this movie in the in the hands of a right of a master, someone who really knows how to do this, is going to be a, at 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 best above mediocre. If it's above mediocre and beyond, you you're good to go. But singer, I'm not enthused, and I think I'm very confident because I'm being I'm, I'm I'm hearing things that and we spoke about this in one of the one of the uh, last broadcasts that there's going to be a game-changing, mind-blowing event that perhaps Marvel and Fox might actually announce. And I think that same wall, that same creative wall that Spider-Man hit up against, that we now see, I have an interest to, I really want to see a Spider-Man film. There's a point really going back to Spider-Man 3 and to a lesser degree Spider-Man 2, the sequel. I I actually have enthusiasm to see uh, Spider-Man again, again. Enthusiasm, and that's because of this collaboration. And now, after seeing Civil War, why do I need to see Apocalypse War? I'm going well, to. Hey, 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 but, hey. City, but there's no, there's no way. I don't see, I don't see this beating. I, it's just a waste of time. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hey,
8: Debert, I just want to say. Yeah. Uh, listen, <stamps> Zack Snyder. There is a .0001 percent chance that you're listening to this. I want to take that chance. I want to roll the dice. I want you to go to this movie. I want you to sit through the movie until it gets to the end. I'm not going to spoil anything. But what happens at the end, the way those two characters, and I'm not going to tell you which characters, the way those two characters are motivated to fight each other, that's what your film should have been. That's what Batman versus Superman should have been. He had a whole film to do it. They got it right in the third act of the film. He had two and a half hours to get it right, and he did not. Go look at that movie. Take, like I said in my review, take
2: copious notes, and then report back to us. <laughs> that well, was Q's drop I know, the mic moment.
5: Listen, listen, Q. I know you. I know you know. We all desire that. But I have to remind you that Snyder literally went to the same school as Michael Bay. I it. I'm not going any further than that. They literally went to the same school. So he may or may not be listening, but he believes, and we talked about this, he believes in the deconstruction of superheroes. It worked for Watchmen because guess what? The Watchmen dealt with the deconstruction of the superhero. Not DC primary heroes, no. Unless, they, unless we walked in knowing that, he, for, for the first time out, trying to establish a DCU. He was trying to establish a DCU on a faulty premise, and that's why he stunk ODB oh, damned. I want you to stay on, Q. we got another call. Uh, folks, again, feel free to buzz on in, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. After this call, we're going to go into our new segment called The Purple Room. I'm sure that the mighty q Stone will enjoy that as well. Uh, 626, welcome to The Grindhouse. Tell us who you are and where, where you're calling from. What's up?
7: Hey, this is uh, Kofi, a man from uh, the L.A. area. How you guys doing? How you doing, man? Pretty good, man.
6: Pretty good. Oh, pretty good.
7: Yeah. I just got to say, man, about the movie. That, that probably was the best superhero movie I've ever seen. They, whatever they did, they got it right. I, you know, you guys were breaking down. who's the director and all this stuff. I, I, I just know, as as he as uh, Q had mentioned, when you when we were kids and we opened up the comic book, we just saw that on the on the, on the big screen, and it was amazing. They didn't leave nothing There's out. Respect I enjoyed every single piece of it, and, and I'm waiting for issue number two to come out. That's all I'm waiting for. I don't want to see no Doctor Strange. Or nothing I'm waiting for issue number no, no, two. Let's no, not be hasty. Let's not be hasty now. <laughs> let's not be hasty. <laughs> I can give a rat's butt about Doctor Strange or the in- Inhumans. Or- All that is garbage. I want to see issue number two. <laughs> you may not
2: like the act. Just just because, let's remember, you, the issue is still in space. And once he gets through the Guardians of the Galaxy, he's going to come to Earth. And we need a united front. So, um... We don't have a united front unless, unless what the Russo brothers just did is just give us the ultimates without giving us the ultimates. And I'll explain that with uh, and the problem I had when we get to the next segment after you.
7: Yeah, I just wanted to add that uh, I, whatever they did to Captain America, that's that's what got it right. When I, I you know, as the Captain America uh, movies has progressed. It keeps getting better and better. This one is just, all these characters are just, I just man, this is just right on the money. I I, I, I don't know, I, I don't have a complaint about anything in this movie, except I'm waiting for the next issue. That's it. I'm in line right now, waiting on the issue. That's all I'm saying. Yeah,
2: like I said, when, when we get to, there's another part of this that we haven't touched on yet, that uh, that's where I have a problem. But like I said, I'm getting all the joy out of the way first. And then I'll come with the criticism. But listen, listen. Everything you want from a comic book movie, you got in here for positive and negative. All right? And folks out there, listen, listen. This is what we've been trying to tell you, okay? A comic book story is not just one note. It could be many different things. You had romance in this. You had horror in this. You had fear in this. You had anger in this. You had friendship. You had sadness. You had betrayal. You had forge of trust in this. All of that was in this one movie. And then I'm not even going into the social uh, and economical, you know, we had all of that In this movie. So that's why, and I use Schneider, but other people have said it, you know, where, oh, this is impossible. Oh, this is impossible. You can't have this in a superhero movie. I don't believe that can exist. It's comic books, it requires imagination. All right? If you can't see it happening, then you don't have an imagination. And the main reason we buy comics, the main reason we watch cartoons, the main reason we watch these films and TV shows is because it allows us to use our imagination to go places that are not here. And if you're restricted in your imagination, then you don't need to be looking at sci-fi. You don't need to be reading this. Stick to your political stuff. Stick to your everyday problems. But if you want to make a living here, if you want to appeal to the masses, then open your damn minds. This movie just blew you all away. That's yeah, my Obama dro- mic drop moment, there, folks.
7: I just want to add one more play- one more point before I get off. You mentioned about the the relationship between the Panther and and his father. I'm looking at there was Falcon, there was War Machine, and Panther all who listening in the Avengers movie but there were the black superheroes in this movie. Black superheroes. Three of them.
2: Yep, beautiful thing, isn't it? Like I said, yep. liberal, conservative, regal. And like I said, the black henchmen held their own. They didn't just go down. Usually when it's the black henchman, he's powerful for a second and then he gets the gets snuffed out. This, the black henchman, held his own with the black widow. It was the white dude that was getting tossed. The black dude took one punch and went, hey, I'm holding the serum. I'm going to just step back here. You know, hey, hey, keep on punching. I dropped this. You know, that was a beautiful thing because usually we don't talk in the henchman role. Yeah. Man, I can't wait for that Panther movie, man. This this, this, guy,
7: oh my God, this is going to be awesome. You mind
4: if I jump in? Jump in,
7: let's. Go ahead, yes,
4: Claire. Sir. All right. So, I'm loving. I'm loving what I'm hearing. I'm. I'm just. I'm deeply moved to hear how this has affected all of you so much. To see that kind of representation on screen, I'm deeply moved, and I'm very happy for you because you're damn right. You're damn right. We had some very You know, intelligent, powerful, black characters on screen. Characters, plural. Okay? It was none of that, uh, you know, henchmen, as you mentioned, Daryl. It wasn't all that, uh, you know, black guy dies first, too many people of color, so, of course, they're the first to go. No, it it, it wasn't like that. They were with very different ideologies, and they all held their own. In terms of what they were about, much respect, much respect. I just wanted to mention a couple things because that's just the way I am, and I know Daryl's gonna do the same thing anyway. As much as I loved, loved this movie, okay. Many props to the Russo brothers. I just can't get over it. I'm just, I can't, cause like like Dibert mentioned, I really didn't think that you could do better than Winter Soldier. I really do feel that they were able to juggle all these different characters, and there's a lot of characters, okay? And to get you to understand where they're coming from, okay? The only things that I probably would have tweaked, and overall, in the grand scheme of things, they probably minor, you know, minor things. But the only thing I wasn't entirely blown away by was... Sharon Carter, and Crossbones, and Zemo, all right? Now, now if you think about it, if you think about it, in terms of all the people that we have to juggle in this two-and-a-half-hour epic film that just it just didn't let up, I mean, hell, you didn't even realize it was two-and-a-half hours, okay? As opposed to another movie, which will remain nameless, that gave me, you know, neck and back pain and felt like, six hours. A six hour funeral procession as as Afro Nerd has had called it. I'm just gonna say that. I'm just gonna say that Marvel, you know, there are times in which I don't really feel like they know how to make a very compelling villain. Aside from Loki, okay, aside from what Tom Hiddleston has has done and brought to life with this with this character. I've just I'm just keep keep okay, keeping it 100, okay? Keeping it 100. When it comes to villains, Marvel is a little hit or miss. But you know what? In this film, I can easily forgive that. I can forgive the fact that Crossbones and Zemo really to me are not what it's about. Really, they are just the instigators for you know, the, the the conflict that we see amongst, you know, Cap and Iron Man, and I and I knew this was coming, and we all kind of suspected as much. This is the year of the verses, right? The year of the verses: Batman versus Superman, you know, Daredevil versus Punisher, Cap versus versus Stark. So I we we already kind of knew that. The villains are really not the key element to this story, and that's okay. I can easily let that go. I'm just saying that, you know, in terms of really having that much weight to it, or that much depth, um, not necessarily, but that's all right. That's all right. They played their part. They played their, their machinations and their manipulations necessary to, to see the actual fight. You know, which was, in my opinion, like you said, with the airport, holy crap. Price of admission alone, airport scene, not giving anything away. Not giving anything away. And what they did to introduce this new Spider Man, what they did to introduce Black Panther, I'm absolutely impressed. It's phenomenal can't wait to see their their individual spin-off films, but, uh, but yeah, that's I just wanted to mention that's, I just wanted to say in terms of the villains and the whole you know quote unquote "romantic element with Sharon Carter, yeah, not so impressed. Just wanted to say that's all. but I loved it. Just don't get me wrong, I loved it. Back to you. All right,
5: uh, folks, let's go to a quick groove. Calm everyone down. We have to still have callers. Caller seven three two. Uh, hold on for a moment. A new segment that was uh, actually prompted by the tangential producer of the show, the Oracle, in conjunction with the Captain. Um, his Royal band has left the building, so we're going to make this a permanent fixture, and it's really a good excuse for me to play Prince music, actually, instead of the way I was doing it before. So, in honor of him, we're going to do. Uh, we'll just do a one for a one for. This time, Usually we do a, a double dose. I think we'll just do one cut. Um, as a future thing, we'll do two at back-to-back, but there's a lot going on with this Civil War film, so I don't want to take too much away from that. Anyway, going to a classic B-side groove, Irresistible Bitch, Prince. We'll be right back. Let's groove. Purple one, and this has been the Purple Room. That was B-side classic groove, "Irresistible Bitch" by Prince. We're back, folks. The call-in number six four six nine one five nine six two zero again. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Discussing Captain America three: Civil War. Let's go to the phones. Seven three two. Welcome to the Grindhouse. house. us who you out. are where you're calling hey, from. What's I don't up?
3: Sit Hello? 732.
10: 732.
2: <laughs> seven, okay. All right, He's I tried. Busy. All
5: right. I tried.
2: He could call back. Yeah.
5: Um, okay. Now, let's go back. Daryl, you said, you know, the second segment, you wanted to talk more about Black Panther, kind of dig into where you wanted to go. And then we'll move to other matters. You know, at some point, we'll give it about a week to really get into actual plot points. But we do want to keep it somewhat vague, anyway. All
2: right. Uh, well, I I just used the Ultimates. If anybody has picked up uh, the Al Ewing run of the Ultimates right now, you kind of got what I was coming from in the first the first couple of issues. Because think about it: where, who is who is where. Just use your placement, who is where, and, and, and the fact, you know, Wakanda is a player now. They don't have to wait for the American heroes. You know, they could go out and, and get their, their own heroes now. Now that, that, that uh, Black Panther has been drawn in and now is known by the world, who's to stop him from doing his thing? That's the first thing. Second thing, Claire took one of my, my pet peeves. It's just like in Winter Soldier. My major pet peeve is you took a major criminal off the board. You know, I won't tell you which one, but that's one of my favorite, favorite criminals on the on the, the, the Captain America side. All right. And you off them. And I just look at it like this. Hey. If you could off criminals like that, then I bring back the Batman Joker argument, you know, because he's killed far more people. Yet that doesn't want to kill him, <laughs> you know. It it it's a tangential argument there. Uh, Cap brought up the power set thing. Yes, that that is that is um, that's one of my major things because they're inconsistent with it. They are. They are. So you know, and and Captain America is one. But then they they also got a little bit of Ant Man's power set wrong too, and they also got Iron Man's power set wrong too. Okay, just 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 to let you know, you guys gonna to have to see it. And then, you know, like I said, I love the movie. It's in my top three, but I could criticize. And Claire, just to let you know, when I said romance, I wasn't referring to Sharon Carter and Captain America. <laughs> I was referring to to um. Vision and Scarlet Witch. And I was referring to another one that no one thought might happen, but did you see Scarlett Johansson and Chadwick Boseman? <laughs>
3: go
9: well, like, well,
2: hey, you know, listen, hey, We'll, we'll see I, how that w- goes. Wait, wait. I will just say this, okay? Black Widow must be like catnip. Sorry for the bad pun. But every time she freaking appears to one of these heroes, uh-oh. I can't wait for Chadwick to, 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 to meet Mark Ruffalo now. <laughs> that, that's going to be funny. That's going to be great. But, 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 again, like I said, there are problems with the film. There are. But when your plot and your characterization are so on point, it helps a uh, person to look past those things. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That that's the thing. Now, now, anybody anybody talk to that Marvel executive that said long ago that you can't, um, Wakanda is unbelievable and you can't depict this? Does he still have a job at Marvel? <laughs> I just want to know because remember we went on for like a couple of months on this idiot. Go <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait. You said what? I mean, like, like I said, I go I go after Zack Snyder because what he said, I took as a shot across my bow. That dude took a shot across every black comic book fan's bow with what, that idiotic statement. Being 100, keeping it real. Back to you, Afro-Nerd. I know we have to move
5: on. Well, and you know something else? You're talking about Lou D'Esposito. Uh I mean, mm-hmm. he still has a position
8: <laughs> at, at
5: Marvel. I think he's still king of Marvel. But, you know, this whole thing about being uh, being reluctant to embrace diversity. When you embrace diversity, it almost is, it, it, it equates to money in the bank, literally. But for some reason, you're dealing with a, a type of mindset uh, versus finance. You know, it's, everyone wants to make money, but to, to make that, that, that image commitment is another thing. So I said this at the Schomburg, that to be able to see something, but... Uh, and listen, I I told our crew that I didn't want to jump on anybody, you know, as playfully. I didn't want to jump on anybody on that stage. But likening Black Panther to Jar Jar Binks, uh, I have to say, respectfully to the Blur girl, how you like me now? I don't think I don't think he's Jar Jar Binks. But I didn't want, I, you know, I, I defer, I respect women, so I wasn't going to jump on her. But I thought that was just playing to the playing to the crowd. I don't think Marvel would have necessarily made him into Jar Jar Binks. He might' have been just depowered or some, some you know background player. From what I see right now, I would find it very difficult for him to be to go backwards. right now he's in a great position to really go onward and upward, and really, I have to respect Chadwick Bozeman as an actor because now this is I know you you took umbrage with me, Daryl, about Will Smith, but I, I, listen, I have to. I have to have put some respect, respect on my name. Shout out to Birdman. What I mean by that is I know what I saw in the trailer. Yeah, we didn't see the whole movie, but what I could see in that trailer was was vintage Will Smith with that cackling Will Smith after-effect After, after effect laugh. It was Will Smith and not Deadshot.
2: Okay, but as you say that, did you see Concussion?
5: I want to go to that. I you see,
2: that, let, let I'm just saying point. you you you, you, you you're handling point. him the one note. I'm just saying. Let me
5: let me finish my point. Okay. You're going ahead of yourself. All right. People one of the reasons why if we're going to be absolutely 100, I can respect Jada uh honoring her man. That's what she's supposed to do. But many folks thought that he that that performance with that accent when you hear the, the the African accent that Will Smith employed, it wasn't as masterful in a comic book movie. Now I thought that it was more believable and not phoned in by Chadwick Boseman doing his thing versus what Will Smith did his thing. When I heard his his voice, because if you don't if you don't get it right, and this also goes to our English actors, we forget there were a number of English actors. Martin Freeman, and uh, who else is also English? There's a few people. Paul Bettany. Well, I think Bettany uses his English accent. Anyway, there's a few cats. Well, when we see Doctor Strange, you see the trailer. They have a better handle on doing an accent that's not their natural accent. Because if you don't get it right, it can take you out of film. So, Bozeman got the temper- temperament for Black Panther right and the accent didn't take me out of the movie. I believe he was an African. So, but with Will Smith, a complaint in concussion was his accent was a little bit, even the African African folk that I've seen on online said, eh, you know, this is an American doing an African accent.
9: Really?
10: All right. Okay. that's why but, but, one of the factors,
5: that, that, was, that was a criticism that was out there, Daryl, about concussion. Uh, concussion is the litmus test for this movie in this movie you would expect him to phone it in because it's a comic book movie. Even in a comic book movie, they treated this stuff seriously.
2: Okay, Let me go and to 703. All right, go ahead. All
5: right. 703, welcome to the Grindhouse. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? Your thoughts. Uh-oh. 703. What's
11: going on, man? Yeah, this is Bison for Life calling from the nation's capital. Oh. hey Bison, what's up, man? How you do? Hey, how you doing, my? No, nah, I'm just messing with you. What's going on, Debra? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> you trying to keep it one hundred? Yeah, of course. Hey, hey, this has been a Howard University weekend, hasn't it? You had okay, there we go. Howard's on, Howard's on, chat with Boseman, knocking out the park as Black Panther. You had the President of the United States speaking at Howard commencement today. It's been a it's been a great 48 hours for
5: Howard University, right, Steven? Hey, Bison, I gotta tell you something. Get get this. You'll enjoy
11: this. I wore a Howard University sweatshirt yesterday. Howard. Hey, what was her nope. na- Hey, what was her na- what was her name, Beaver, on the date you went? <laughs> 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 it Wasn't like that, man. Uh, I wore. I just happened to wear Howard. University you know, I I, just,
5: I support HBCUs, man.
11: So I wore okay. an hour
5: shirt yesterday. That that makes you happy.
11: So it was kismet. Your thoughts, okay. sir? Well, I, I want to jump on. I I left. Um, I had to do some things, doing parts of the show. So I hope I'm not being redundant. Um, I enjoyed the show. I mean, the movie. Excuse me. Um, there are some parts I can nitpick on, but overall I enjoyed it. Um, the nitpick parts I thought, some of the CGI was a little. Looked unfinished, especially with Spider-Man or some scenes, that's just me um, I agree with regards to the hero um, One um, villain kind of taken out of the pocket I do have issues with Cap's power set I thought a couple of scenes were ridiculous But, you know, it's Hollywood, what can you do? Um, but you gotta remember, the Russo brothers Come from television And I think they had a better They They know... And plus the comic book fans, I think that's a that's an added that's an added plus and you can see it there. I really enjoyed the Black Panther scenes like um everyone else. Um and I think it would you know, it's gonna really lay out the possibilities uh, especially with Kugler coming in, but maybe he may take a different tone. So we don't know if he's gonna have the same tone in his film that the Russo brothers had. That's that's to be seen but um no issues. I, I enjoyed it. Um I just thought I, I said something in the chat room like I'm in there by myself talking to myself. But I thought you had more black actors in this film with speaking parts than any comic book or science fiction film in history. The only one I can think that comes close is maybe maybe one of the Matrix maybe Matrix Reloaded. Oh yeah and that would mean definitely. a lot to a lot of that might, it might mean, not mean a lot to some of your listeners, but it mean a lot to a certain segment of the population. But the most powerful scene to me was the scene at the beginning with Alfred Wood. I mean, that was a powerful yeah. scene, and, um, and I think it sort of was sort of the um, touch point for the entire film and almost the entire story arc. And um, I'm glad you know that part has you know has been brought up in a Comic book film I mean I know you guys are going to kind of go in depth later So I'm going to kind of dance around it But There are repercussions for actions And What she brought out Is what Is usually glossed over In these comic films Okay yes the villain is defeated But At what cost And you know there's There are casualties in this carnage So I thought that was a powerful scene You know, there's a
5: a Marvel no-prize. I'm really going in deep uh, comic book lore. There is a Marvel no-prize with uh, Alfre Woodard's involvement in the film because, you know, I I thought that, wait a minute, what is she doing playing uh, in this movie when she's going to be in Luke Cage? But from my understanding is there were some scheduling issues with this, uh, but she's going to be playing two different characters. You know, it's not the same character, but it just so happens that Alfre Woodard is in two Marvel properties at the same time, so I guess she's just going to be two different people. But literally, uh, the 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 role she plays in Luke Cage is not the same, same portrayal, not the same person in this in that very touching and compelling film. And actually, her involvement in the film has a lot to do. It, it kind of set set the. It was like a volley, if you're going to use a a. Uh, you know volleyball reference or what have you. It kind of it kind of set up everything for what happens later on, you know, and, and it sets up uh, politically Tony Stark's mindset. And you know, listen, we read all of us read the the crossover events from the Civil War in print, and there were, you know contours and contrasts, obviously, but I, I really when it comes out of really just comp- having major league complaints. I really feel sorry for the DCU. I don't think the Suicide Squad, unless I, you know, hey, I want that movie to work, but I think it's 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 also it's on shaky ground with Batman for Superman really supposed to be supposed to be that film, and it's not. Now it's it's gone down a notch, and Suicide Squad has to be that film that kind of ushers in everything else. So, and now we're hearing, and we'll talk about that. I think we should even segue into that. Uh, We're hearing, I'm going to go to Claire about this. Now, uh, let's go into DCU. We're hearing now that there were some reshoots for Suicide Squad. We we spoke about that a few weeks ago. Now we're hearing that Ben Affleck has been brought in to be executive producer for Justice League uh, to somewhat oversee Snyder now. So he's got to be a buffer for Snyder. So this must be all about contracts or something. They can't see to dismantle Snyder for some reason. They need to cut that guy loose, in my opinion. But what are your thoughts about what's going on with, with, with them pretty much saying that, well, you know, they put Affleck's name out front now. What does that mean?
4: You got me? Hello?
5: Yeah. Wh- yeah. What What are your thoughts about um, the fact that we sh- we segued into um, – Suicide Squad, and how Suicide Squad has to be that movie. You know, you have to kind of take away Batman vs. Right. Superman to a certain degree, and use this, the second-level, second-tier film to usher in this DCU. So if they're doing that, we heard about the reshoots, and also we're hearing now that they're, they're bringing out Ben Affleck's name on Affleck's name as being an executive producer for the Justice League, and, and sure. I'm even seeing it in print that that he's kind of put there... Listen, executive production could be just a credit. But they're making it seem like he's got more hands-on involvement in steering this thing with Snyder. So why is that? What is that? What have you heard? What are your thoughts about that?
4: Okay. So before I get into my response to all, all the Affleck, you know, DCU stuff, I just want to jump back real quick to something that you two had mentioned in that last discourse about the thought or the belief that Black Panther would be difficult to translate on screen, that it would be really challenging to get the whole Wakandan, you know, you know, country and, and customs and, and the whole story together in order to, to make it work, to try to explain the delay on that. Um, and yes, it was Lou Desposito who said that, but... The thing is, is that shout out to I just I really want to make sure I, I, I remember to give a shout out to Monique Jones, who was kind enough to write this whole article and interview myself and uh, Keith Chow from the Nerds of Color. And we discussed this ad nauseum. We discussed the fact that it it you touched on this. It has really nothing to do with with money, even though Hollywood wants to tell us that it's all about money and who's a list and that there's this old standard this old belief that minorities are not a box office draw so it's not about money and it's not about a list it's just a mindset that's all it is it's all it is it's i people want to want to tell you all day long that it's about you know making sure we got a name and 9 times out of 10 a name is white so it has to be white and, that, and that's that's the 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 computations, the logistics, the justifications and explanations that they go through in order to, you know, explain why they haven't done a Black Panther, why they didn't do the Captain Marvel, why they haven't had this and that and the other. So I just want to touch on that real quick, because let's just not ever forget that it's really not to, nothing to do with money or, or status. It's just a mindset. It's just the belief. That people of color don't buy movie tickets that people of color don't support people of color that that we, we just that we don't you know spend money on that that's it It's just a, a mindset it's just a belief that we don't support it white people won't support it. you know the story is so difficult. I don't know how to translate this I don't know how to you know make this character really interesting and come to life, but I really hope and pray I hope that after what we have just seen with the introduction of Black Panther and and seeing all these amazing characters of color on screen do their thing, I really hope that that mindset changes. So I really wanted to mention that, and I wanted to give that shout-out to Monique. Okay, DCU, Ben Affleck. I think we all saw this coming because, honestly, when Affleck took the job, he was reluctant because he had, obviously, some negative experiences when he was Daredevil back in, you know, 2003. And he was a little, you know, reluctant and nervous about taking on another comic book character. So I think even then, when he first signed on, I think there was the stipulation that he would have a lot of input, that he would share in a lot of creative control for where the character goes and how it's developed over time, and that as the franchise builds to do a solo outing that he would probably be the one to direct. And lo and behold, lo and behold, that's exactly how it's playing out. Ben Affleck will direct the Batman standalone movie. So does this come as a surprise that he's taken on executive producer role, that he's you know really getting in on, on the uh, decision-making? No, it's no surprise at all. It is no surprise at all. Even if Batman versus Superman had done better than it did, this is exactly how it was going to play out from the beginning, you know, and especially now, especially now that Zack Snyder's vision for how he wants to, you know, take the story has come into question, that there is some doubt, that, that there is some confusion, that, oh, you know, we gave this guy the keys the keys to the kingdom and we're not quite sure if he's going to deliver on that as much as we want but he's still attached contractually he's still attached to justice league well yeah you know let's get uh let's get a second opinion let's get affleck in here you know because ben affleck has directed a bit okay he's done pretty well with the town and he did pretty well with argo You know, he's an Oscar winner, he's got the name, he's got the face, he's, you know, he's pretty well known and well liked. So yeah, it is no shock at all that they're kind of giving him a little bit more of the reins in terms of where the Bat franchise is going. And especially since anybody that saw Batman vs. Superman, even the haters, even the haters cannot deny the fact that he was actually pretty good. That he was actually not, he was not the the worst part of that movie. <laughs> like, you know, the, the movie is predominantly Batman's story, Bruce Wayne's story. It's told in his narrative with his voiceover and his origin at the top. So, yeah, it's, it's his vehicle. And I thought he did pretty good. So, it's you know, this is just a natural progression where this is going. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. Back to you.
11: Hey, Claire, no I think that was part of the original contract. I don't think that was
4: exactly.
11: a, 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 a last-minute deal to kind of save the franchise. I think that was part of the, you know, either that or a whole lot of upfront money. And I guess the studio said, well, we'll give you directorial powers from here going forth.
2: Well, the, yeah. the fact that they released it, like how they did, it means they wanted to take some shine off of this. They realized they're getting lambasted here you know and that only brings my mind back to something me and Cap discussed way back in the uh, in the beginning you remember when Batman Superman was supposed to be released folks this was supposed to happen on the same weekend could you imagine this show if those two movies were on the same weekend back to you after well
5: you know even beyond that i think wasn't it actually a year before this it was supposed to be out like what 2000 15?
2: And, yep. and, I started, okay, and then
5: I said, okay, I thought, okay, that's no way that could have happened.
2: And so then, then they moved it
5: back to the same weekend.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Warner Brothers. Oh, thank. All I can say, Warner Brothers, thank God you guys got the flash.
5: Yeah. The,
11: well, you're talking about the flash as far as the TV property.
2: Bingo. Yes
11: film made $800 million. Let's not crap on it completely. It it made a lot of money. It just didn't cross the billion-dollar threshold.
6: Yeah, but I'm talking about just a sense of goodwill. I agree with you, Bison, as far as that's concerned. You can't defecate on the money.
10: Yeah, it's making money. As
6: bad as it was, it still made money. So well said, sir.
5: Cap, uh, while you have the mic, what are your thoughts about Ben Affleck. I mean, you know uh, uh, quite a bit on executive production credit. Real easy.
6: Well, real, easy that, real easy. Well, well,
5: well, real is, easy. Well, what does that re- What does that really mean? Because we think we've fought, we thought we've been led to believe that the executive production credit could just be kind of a courtesy, but for Ben Affleck to get this thing, and then to put and there's also a hint that well, you know, it's kind of the the kind of take off a little bit of the the, the shine as Darrell referenced on Zack Snyder. So what what do you think this really means, in your opinion, with the EP
6: credit? Executive credit can mean two things. It could be just a credit or it could be you're in control of the budget. (laughs) You understand? You're the man that's controlling the money. You know, (laughs) it could be two things. So point blank. You know, as far as that's concerned, look, you know, they're, they're still very reactionary, you know, over there. And the problem is, again, with the executives, they're very reactionary. Their, their plan from the beginning was entirely wrong, and they're trying to figure it out. They want to figure it out. You know you know what movie needs to come out? All of this, you're just riding on. You just have to see what's going to happen with it. But it's the Batman movie. That's it. One good Batman movie, you save the whole thing. That's it. And we know that Ben Affleck, and I was a Ben, La- ben Affleck hater, can play Batman. There you go. That's it. Real simple. That's what, that's what needs to happen. That's the movie we need to see coming from that side. That's it. And knock it out the park. Do what you do, Affleck, and it'll come off. That's it.
4: And keep Zack Snyder away from Superman.
6: (laughs) If you can't take him off
4: the franchise, if he is just stuck to you, glued to the hip, okay, DC, okay, Warner Brothers, if you cannot and will not get rid of Snyder, then at least, at least, has somebody else come in to do Superman? Goodness, okay, sorry about that. Just, just well, have to right. that you, out you
5: know something you know something else that has also been brought up quite a bit when it comes down to Marvel versus d c as far as their styles. you know what, if, if there's going to be a criticism levied toward Marvel, oftentimes what you hear is that well Marvel has their their corporate way of doing things you know it's it's under the Disney umbrella, and that you know when you, when we heard of Edgar Wright. And he had a lot of fan support, and and thankfully and respectfully, uh, a lot of his DNA was still in creative creative DNA was still involved with what we saw as the final product for Ant Man, but we have seen some folks that you know opted out of the Marvel machine because they knew that going in they they might not be able to uh, display their own voice. With their film because they have a certain way of doing things, and Marvel is not going to really allow you to to uh, mess up what they you know mess up their formula. They have a formula, and that's it. If you can agree to their formula, then everything is cool. Uh, on the flip side, you know some folks would say that well you know DC is is allowing the the director to have has have his or her voice.
4: Um, no, just Snyder. Didn't see that? Just Snyder, because in terms of everyone saying, "Oh, well, you know, so many directors have complained about their negative experiences or walked off, you know, Marvel because because they couldn't have their way, they couldn't see eye to eye, or quote unquote, you know, creative differences because they have to have it in line with the overarching story of the Marvel Cinematic Universe." Well, um, have you all forgotten? That before Patty Jenkins, Michelle McLaren, okay, Michelle McLaren, who I believe has directed some episodes of, uh, you know, like Game of Thrones or something, she walked off. Wonder Woman, okay, she was supposed to do Wonder Woman. I mean, look, what just happened with The Flash? Seth Graham Smith, or what's his name? I mean, creative differences. I mean, it's not just Marvel. It happens. It happens. If you're not in agreement with what the studio wants, I mean, you and you don't want to kowtow, you don't want to compromise, or you can't have, you know, a a singular vision, then, yeah, people are going to disagree, they're going to leave, stuff's going to change. But it's not just Marvel. The only reason why we notice it so much more with Marvel is because they're so much further down the line. Captain America Civil War is their 14th, 14th film. We've barely scratched the surface with DC. So, of course, we've noticed that more directors might have, you know, had some a scuffle or a disagreement. But there hasn't necessarily been 100% unanimity with, um, with DC either. I mean, not everybody was necessarily right for directing Wonder Woman or Aquaman or The Flash or, you know, at some point Cyborg or whatnot. I mean, it... <laughs> It's not just about being corporate. It's just a matter of whether or not you, you you're in line with their vision. And I'm just disturbed. I'm just disturbed that their vision seems to be so contingent on Snyder's way of doing things. That's my problem with them.
11: Well, you know, you know, you, think think you the problem, Beaver. I'm sorry. Um, I just want to say that um, I think the problem with DC is they need a face. Like Feige is the face. And Zack Snyder has so much negativity. One of us is going to have to find someone to oversee these properties and be the face of the DCU. And that might mean to take hits um, when things go south. I think Snyder has also turned off a lot of fans. He has as many detractors as he has fans. He probably has more detractors now. The studio is going to need to push somebody forward and make them the face of the DCU. Until that's done, it just appears that everything is unorganized. Like um, Captain said, they're being reactive instead of being proactive, and they're just pushing things out there. Almost seems like a cash grab. It doesn't seem planned and methodical. Until someone comes out and, and does that, they're going to have all they're going to have these criticisms. Yeah,
7: you know,
5: I, I will say this, and kind of dovetailing of what Claire spoke about. Uh, She's on to something when she. I have to do a correction, because when I when I said that, um, you know, it, it appears that Marvel has their way, and that's pretty much verifiable that they have their way as a, as a corporate standard with Disney, that if you don't really fall in line with how they how they have everything mapped out, because it's such a, a interconnected interconnected interlocking thing with their films, that you know if you don't do it our way we will cut you loose. Uh, as I think about it, DC does have that. But I think what the deal is, the difference is DC, the suits are actually locked in with the success of the Dark Knight trilogy. That a few years back, even before, well, I should, I should say, uh, during the early development of Superman or Man of Steel, the reason why Man of Steel has the beats that it has is because of Dark Knight. Uh, uh, they weren't able to see or or, or, or to kind of decipher the need for nuance their whole thing is the Dark Knight was successful so we're just going to make the entirety of the DCU like a Dark Knight vibe so what works for Batman has to be translated for all of these characters even in the the costuming the the visual part of Man of Steel is all connected to the Dark Knight so it's literally the that manifestation of the entirety of their of their
11: characters,
5: whereas marvel- Marvel's characters from jump are that they are fully fleshed out
11: quote unquote
5: characters and I'm not talking about just individuals I'm talking about actual just quirky personalities, and that that goes back to the very essence of the DC versus Marvel thing, which is kind of a problem. I mean, we kind of sort of know the DC personalities, but when you think of the amazing Spider-Man, all these adjectives, the amazing Spider-Man, the incredible Hulk, the uncanny X-Men, all that, these guys, they're a bunch of clowns. I mean, clowns in a good way. Everyone, you know, we know who these people are. DC has had problems because they're a little wooden. Their characters are just wooden. So they, they've had, they, they would have problems anyway, to a certain degree. Um, let's move things even forward beyond that. I, think, I don't know if the uncanny has any more to say. I want to actually go into more DC Universe stuff, but I think this time let's carry it over to TV. All
7: right, go TV. I'm a little, disheart-
5: I'm a little disheartened about what I'm hearing uh, about Supergirl that the of supergirl even though i believe the ratings are pretty decent that uh, the, the budget concerns may have it where they have to they may have to move to vancouver and that implied that this this might end up becoming a cw property after all if that happens that budget's going to be severely cut the cgi is going to be lousy cuz so i think the cgi is pretty respectful for cbs television um I mean, it could be a good thing, you know, but I, I, don't, I don't know what to think about that. So what are your thoughts about these budgetary concerns and the likelihood that this might actually end up on the CW?
2: Well, I, I said from the jump that this was going to get at least three seasons. I didn't say it would be all at CBS. Why? Because CW is intertwined with it. All right. And uh, that's why I was shocked when they said we're releasing it on CBS. I'm like, oh, OK. All right. You know, you know what it is? essentially this show has become? This show has become Battlestar Galactica, where it, everybody knew, oh, it's NBC, it's NBC. But said from the beginning, watch it end up on Sci Fi Network. And sure enough, it. Ended up on Sci-Fi Network. Why? Because, oh, the budget is so much. Never mind that it's in the top three shows for female viewers. Never mind that it, it hasn't dropped. The only two shows with more female viewers on primetime TV, folks, is How to Get Away with Murder and, um, and Once Upon a Time. I think, uh, last, last thing, among female viewers, 18 to 49 or whatever that thing is, it's outpacing Grey's Anatomy. Remember when Grey's Anatomy, no female in America would stop talking about this, guys? And we'd roll our eyes like, it ain't our thing. It ain't. Supergirl is beating that show right now. <laughs> you know? But it, it's in trouble. It's the bane of science fiction television. You know, oh, you're not getting the numbers. Oh, you're not getting the numbers. We're in the top three amongst the demographic you wanted us to get to. That's why you put us here, and we're not getting the numbers.
4: Again, it's not just about. It's not just about the money. It's not just about status. I'm just going to harken back to what I said before. Think about it. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is okay. All right? It's all all right. It's okay. It's extremely expensive. Why? Why are they still on the air when there have been other shows that have done so much better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Why are they still on the air? Because Disney will flip the bill. They are willing to have that much of an investment in a weekly advertisement for their property, for their Marvel branch, for their movies. They are willing to invest in this in order to constantly drill it into folks like us who have been, you know, somewhat committed, somewhat invested in this whole MCU, S.H.I.E.L.D., Hydra, you know, I mean... It, it it's it's synergy it's all synergy so that's the reason why they're still on the air when several instances in the last 3 years they they could have easily been you know yanked okay you cannot say that you cannot say that about supergirl supergirl is extremely expensive as well and you're right i'm actually impressed from what little i've seen cuz i'll admit i have not really been consistent in keeping up with Supergirl. But it's extremely expensive. Is it worth it? Is it worth it if you do not have a corresponding DC movie to to support it? Is it worth all that cost and effort when you don't have anything that you're synergistically cross-promoting? Maybe not. Maybe not. And on top of that, on top of that, CBS from day 1 is not the correct channel. That is not the correct network. That is not the correct demographic or audience. CBS is pr- predominantly an older audience that they want their CSIs, they want their NCIS, they want a very specific formula. Okay? I'm very surprised that it didn't, you know, like all, like all Berlanti shows, Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, why wouldn't you keep it in the family? Why wouldn't you keep it on the CW, which doesn't have as high of an expectation or threshold when it comes to ratings? Because you're right, Supergirl is actually doing pretty good, but is it doing good enough for, you know, the ABC channels, the the CBS channels, the NBC channels on that level of competition? Mm, Maybe not, not for how much it costs. But for CW, it would have been just fine. I mean, hell, Smallville, Supernatural, these shows have been, been 10 years, okay? They were on the air for 10 years because that was the correct home. That was the correct venue, platform. But CBS from the jump seemed like an odd fit to me. I have That's a question.
11: You. Why why move it to CW I would assume the cost would just be in the special effects. I mean, moving to CW, how would that drive down costs unless it's just taxes filming in California and some other things like that? I thought the time slot hurt it. I mean, I know it's going against Monday Night Football, but I know those, those are two Canada's different going demographics. going against Gotham.
4: That's another well, yes, thing. You're so right. Think... You're right. Time slot was a little awkward because it's going against Gotham.
7: Well, I think
5: a couple of things and uh Darryl B and Claire kind of hinted at this. I just don't think I never thought that CBS was a great fit for that kind of that kind of TV show. Um I mean they they have kind of uh, they've established this this thing about having these older TV shows for an older demographic. They they're very franchise oriented. It's just like McDonald's over there. Literally like McDonald's. They will turn out the same iteration in a different locale, and call it you know call it something different, but it's the same. They you know, so have three or four CSI's, three or four NCIS's. I mean, obviously they're really they're willing to do that. I mean, they just have a they just have a different thing going over there. Um, I don't know if it was really comfort for a fantasy sci-fi kind of thing. Even Star Trek that we're hearing may in, may be there for a few moments and then off to some kind of streaming service. I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems like uh, Warner Brothers, they they don't really have this figured out. Um, the fact, as Claire had alluded to, with Agents, Agents of Shield, Agents of Shield, because they, they they Marvel has established this whole interconnectedness between TV and Netflix. I mean, everything's the same world. So you so literally, the
2: money's the same.
5: They can look at Agent Carter, Marvel's most that if that ever gets off the, off the ground. Um, we're hearing about Agent Carter may be in trouble for a season three. I hope that's not the case. But they can afford to kind of go into these things because they, they can spend short money, which may be in the millions, to offset long money, which is obviously in the billions. So it, it actually makes sense. On a financial sheet, but Warner Brothers, they did not do this. They they were hell bent for some kind of weird OCD affect about that embargo. This, you know, these characters can't really relate to each other. They were they were so hell bent on making everything nice and and neat in these tiny little boxes. And Marvel said, screw all that. It's all about the long play. I mean, literally to to 2020. They got all these phases. The whole thing is it's 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 a it's a work of art, and and you can't try to. You you really you can see that they're they're having a difficult difficult time actually trying to tap into that because it's being done in a very harried kind of way. Just the fact that I was reminded that Batman vs Superman actually when it was announced. They said 2015. I said, wait a minute. You're announcing this, I think it was announced in 2013 or something like that, or 2012. I think it was actually 2013. I said, if they, if they had made this announcement and that film going to come out in 2015, I said, okay, this is going to suck. And then when they said, oh, they pushed it back, pushed it forward another year. And it's still, it sucked a little less than what it was intended to suck. That movie should have sucked even worse than what it sucks now. And that's only because they pushed the it a year. If they came out in 2015, because they were so money hungry, without actually mapping out a plan. If you fail the plan, to, if you if you fail the plan, you plan to fail. That's how the, the the saying goes. Um. Since I mentioned Agent Carter, let's go to Captain on this. Right, you know, what? actually, you have another call. Let's go to the calls. Open it up. Whatever you want to talk about, but I'm going to also talk about. Agent Carter. I hope that that comes back. Uh, I thought that the the acting and the, the period pieces and I mean, wow. I, I'd really I'd really hate to see that that go. Four one five. Welcome to the Grindhouse. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up?
1: Well, I told you I was going to call. Uh, you talk about Batman, Superman, and everything. So excited I should call Is in. Mr. And, Hill. Uh, <laughs> Mr. <Hello>? Ja.
5: <laughs> oh, Ja. Okay. What's up, man?
1: What's oh, going on, man? What's up? Yeah, yeah, so, um, here's to start off that, uh, you know, I, I think I've been listening to you guys for about good, probably like three years now, and, um, Mm
9: -hmm.
1: you know, I, I think a lot of my comic book knowledge comes from you guys, um, I mean, I wasn't a big comic guy, but I used to watch the cartoons, like, you know, Batman Animated Series, and, you know, X-Men, things like that when I was growing up, so, I, I, I liked it, and, um, you know, and I've always, you know, just always been kind of in touch. You know, I wouldn't say I'm an avid comic book reader, but I kind of get a gist of what's going on. So, like, you right. know, my, my favorite you know, superhero is Batman because the animated series and, and um, you yeah. know, and the movie that came out. So
5: That's so the golden standard.
1: Exactly. So I, I'm definitely not as knowledgeable as you guys. I mean that's plain and simple. But I'm going to talk as a viewer and a listener. I see. I think that you know since I've been listening to you guys, you guys have a a Marvel tilt. I mean, I, I just from what I'm listening. I mean, don't get me wrong, Marvel has put out some good movies. I, I you know I I liked uh, the the Iron Man's. Uh, I liked the second Captain America. I mean everybody likes that was a great movie um you know I wasn't a big fan of the Avengers I didn't think that was really good um but you know the the DC movies that have come out are always been like my favorite like I've always liked the way it's been told and you know growing up watching the Superman movies you know like I know Daryl B you know he his problem with Superman is that he doesn't like the way he's portrayed but so I think that you guys have already like had um something like you know, you you, you expected you, you thought something was gonna happen and when it doesn't tell the way it did, then you had a problem with it. Um I thought Batman of course I thought Batman versus Superman was great. I thought it was I thought it was an amazing movie. I uh, Man of Steel. I love Man of Steel. Um and I'm just, and I know you guys. Claire was going into like, you know, the how Marvel has tied in the, you know, the the, the series and everything, and, and and I understand that. Okay, that's smart. But like, I'm looking at it as a viewer, as somebody who's who's watching the movie. And while I might not be as like, you know, a doctorate like you guys in comic books, I have a good gist. And I I thought Batman. If you didn't know the characters. <laughs> so I need some respect, I need some respect <laughs> um, I just think that, I think you guys are being a little bit hard on DC I mean, you know, Marvel came in like a hurricane and everybody's trying to catch up And, I mean, don't like I don't think the that they're, like, I don't you think would they're like really trying to like be Marvel. They're just trying to be something different, and it might not be optimal, but it's still. I think they're putting out great movies from the last Batman, Man of Steel, things like that. So, I just think you guys are being very hard on DC, to be honest.
5: All right, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this over because you're entitled to your opinion. And I'm, I, you know, let's pass this over to the mighty Q Storm, who was a, a stalwart, longtime supporter, as you are. Q. What are your thoughts know, about what 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 ja is talking about A- after having seen the magnificent Black Panther? Uh, my my personal portrayal—that's me on screen if you haven't guessed it. So anyway, <laughs> me and me and the and and the Oracle commiserating, but he's very much alive. Anyway, your thoughts, Q, on what ja is talking about?
8: Well, you know, I what I find interesting is that l- listen, I. I was saying this on Podcast News. We were, we were podcasting earlier today. Now, you know, I work in media, film, and video. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near the level of a Zack Snyder or um, the Russo brothers. But, you know, I studied this stuff for a little bit, and the thing that I find interesting is that we're, we're not we're, – we don't have a vendetta against D.C. I, I'm, like, I'm the guy that says, why can't, trek, why can't truckers and Star Wars people get along? I don't know why Marvel Marvel and DC we can all get along. But so we don't have a vendetta. What what I have a problem with is the process of telling a story, of constructing a narrative where the characters are developed, they're properly motivated, the things that I see them doing on screen makes sense. That scene A leads to scene B leads to scene C. It's basic, you know, construction. And I just feel that the reason I criticize DC films is that with the exception of the Nolan Bat- Batman films, they have not gotten it right. And I think what Marvel does is—maybe I'm wrong—I get a sense that there's some, there's a department that's going online, looking at all of the blurred nerd geek sites, and they're taking notes, and they're and and they're translating that to their films. I think for Zack Snyder to come out and say, no, there's no place. In our universe, for for fun or whatever, I'm paraphrasing. That tells me, be damned what the fans think. We're going to stay on this course. We, we're going to be on the Titanic. We're going to keep playing that violin while the Titanic goes under. So, if if there's any hatred or shade thrown towards DC, I think in some part they bring it on themselves.
1: Can I respond? Can I respond to that for there? Yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Um, let's keep going. Uh. Well, I I I would think that the, like Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman was uh, kind of well, not in in well the same universe, but it was a continuation of that whole like dark like feel of the movie. Like I've always got the sense that. DC and from watching animated series and everything like, you know, maybe like Superman, I know this is a new take on Superman. I, I actually like it. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if there was some, you know, in the comic books, if he was like this, but, um, I get the sense that, that it's, it, it's a continuation on that kind of like, cause of the success of, uh, of, of the Nolan Batman. If Nolan was, um, uh executive producer. Nolan was uh one of his writers from there was on The Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. So they, they this is like kinda like Nolan's like way of giving us kind of in a sense his universe in that. And you know, I I think that Snyder is you know, I like Snyder. Uh, you know, I like the way he told I – thought, I thought Batman versus Superman was, was, was told right. I mean, like people talk about the motivations of Lex Luthor. I mean, everybody knows the re- motivations of Lex Luthor. He's a psycho. He just – you know, he just doesn't like that Superman is, is powerful. I mean, you guys could probably touch on more than that, but that's just what I feel.
8: But can, can I – okay, I, I don't want to ping pong back here. Can I say something or –
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I want I want okay. the uh, uncanny to, to to roll in also. Okay.
8: I'm just gonna say this to you. I, I don't know. I don't know what your age range is, um, but I want to take you back to 1977, the first Superman film. And I'm not saying that I'm older, and I'm gonna put that aside. I know this. There's a new aesthetic now, but that film was. I think it's a cult classic, and the reason it's it, it holds up today is because of one thing that Richard Donner said. He said. When he crafted that film, there was one word that stuck in his head: verisimilitude. Stay true to the character. And so, when you say you think you, you know rightfully so, Zack Snyder is merely doing a continuation of what he established in Man of Steel in Batman v Superman. I agree with you 100%. The problem is, is that he's continuing something that he got wrong in the first place and the problem is is that you haven't established superman as a hero yet. And yet now you move on and you continue down that path and you just add more characters into the mix. We still don't, I still don't know who Clark Kent is in this in this iteration of superman because we saw him for 30 seconds in Man of Steel, yet in this 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 new film DVS, everything is already in place. We we don't know any of the characters uh, we we don't even we didn't even know that Jimmy uh, Olsen was in the film until we heard afterwards that he was killed. So yeah, I agree with you. He's continuing on, but the problem is he, he he's he's going down the wrong path and he's continuing down that wrong path. That's that's just my opinion. All right, hey, one John. quick thing.
5: What, what, hold, on, what, hold on, hold Go on, hold on. One quick thing to, to our listening audience uh, for those who because there's quite a few calls. If you'd like to join in on the conversation please press one so that way we know that you want to join in. If not, we're assuming you're just listening, because many folks like to listen in their cars or listen from their cell phones. So if you want to join into the conversation, press one, and you too can join in with, with this discourse. Uh, I've got to say one quick thing. I, I want to pass the mic around a little bit uh, in response to Jha. M- my only issue with how you're looking at this, Ja, is you're kind of conflating all of the other past iterations as if it's all one universe. Um, my issue is, listen, you may think that we have a Marvel tilt. It's not really a Marvel. It's really about a, it's really a quality tilt because I love the Flash. I don't think that Q is invested in the Flash. but I have a personal connection to the – hell, I was called Professor Zoom as a kid because I love to run fast, and I I, I connect to that character. My first introduction into comics, and I've said this so many times on the show, was literally uh, going over my friend who was the uh, – uh, the predecessor to Mr. To, to Captain Kirk, Mr. Starks, he had a, ba- a crumpled up bag of comics, and that first I remember it as, as as if it was yesterday. The first book in that crumpled bag was The Flash, and he was a police scientist. I got into it, so the beats that are being hit, which are very analogous to the beats that were hit in this today's film, I see that with CW's The Flash, believe it or not. So I, it's not really a tilt towards DC. If anything, we've we've spoken ad nauseum about how great the Nolan verse is, but you have got to take the Nolan verse as a separate thing. The way you're looking at this is you're you're mixing in Donner, and Nolan, and Snyder. That's not how we're looking at this, because some of the past things that Marvel has tried to bring to, to film sucked, but when they decided to say, okay, this is our foray, this particular product, which is the MCU. We're talking about the MCU as a product. That's separate from the... Hell, I, I would put up the Nolanverse against the MCU as separate properties, separate products. We're not looking at it this way. What we're saying now is DCU is a new product by D, uh, DC Comics. It's their product. I'm talking about DCU sucking. Not about DC in general. I'm talking about this specific product versus the MCU's specific product. I can't even bring Blade into this. I love Blade, but Blade technically is not part of the MCU. Yes. It's not. Yeah. Well I'm talking about no, but I'm talking about Wesley, all those I know. you know, know. We, we 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 would like to put it in there and we, we, we put it in there politically that it kinda it kinda introduced Marvel into the film thing a little bit but listen, we can't talk about uh, what's that guy's name? The guy that played Daredevil in the seventies. I mean, listen, the TV Marvel in the seventies and early eighties—it sucked and swallowed. <laughs> All right, so come on. All right.
2: All right, But but, Ja, you you you've seen Batman the animated series, right? Yes. All right, you've seen Superman the animated series, right? Little bit. Okay, you've seen Justice League, right? Oh, man, we love Justice League. Okay, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, here is my homework for you, okay? They did a two-part crossover type movie uh, in Justice League, which led to Justice League U, where they had to take on Darkseid and Brainiac, okay? In that, you see a darker Superman, but you see everything Superman is supposed to be. All right, my problem from this from Jump, all right, and I, I can't reiterate this enough, okay, is Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, Mark Wade, Gail Simone, Greg Rucker. DC has oodles of writers that have gotten these characters right over and over and over again. So you don't just, you put it on screen, right? You put it on screen or you put the script out. Zack Snyder refuses to talk to these guys. Like, he knows everything. And that's the problem. And he came out and he said it. And that's why I can't let this go. Just like Louis D'Esposito, I can't let you go. I can't let it go. Because you expose yourself just like I get, excuse me just like I can't let Donald Trump go because you know what you said you know what you said if you said it that means you feel it a part of you feels that way okay now the, I could tie this into CBS all right you you do black uh, big bang theory you're happy to take our money as long as you denigrate us all right but You were predisposed to liking us in the first place. All right? Zack Snyder... All Zack Snyder needed to do was keep his mouth shut about Superman fans. He did not need to use our names in his mouth. And guess what? It wouldn't have tainted it. I probably would have still felt the same way, but except with less vitriol. The problem... D.C. has is, A, they don't have a plan, and, B, they choose all the wrong times to open up their mouths and try to be smart talking to nerds. The thing about nerds more than any, any other segment of the population is we remember everything. And then you went and invented the internet, you invented Twitter, you invented Facebook, you invented Instagram, every stupid thing these executives at Warner Brothers do live on forever, all right? You may say I hate, I love, all right? My favorite Batman movie, screw the live action, is Mask of the Phantasm. That is the true Batman in my eyes. That is the true Joker in my eyes. All right? My favorite series of all time is New Teen Titans. That is what ushered me into comic books. This is why, Ja, I give you all the credit in the world for stepping up. You've seen some of the hate I've gotten. And we've had some great discussions on Twitter. And I appreciate that you stepped up. But don't tell me what to think. Don't tell well, me I have to change my mind Why?
5: One quick, th- one quick thing uh, One quick thing to Dow And, and listen, we, we have to be honest When he says we have this Marvel tilt I, I, I think there's a correction there Because I think it's more of a game to be repetitive It's a quality tilt Because we've gone on really before The MCU You and I lauded over and can to laud over The Deanie slash uh, Timverse We've even said that if they employ, and it's been spoken about, but they refuse to go to these people because they're just cartoon guys, they're animators, but they were able to get the vo- vocal talent. I mean, the acting prowess and skill set for the cartoon says it all. So it's really, again, I'm invested really in all of this stuff. I'm invested in all of this stuff, but it's really, when you talk about how, I mean, it's your opinion is that you felt Batman versus Superman was a good movie, but... You look at Rotten Tomatoes, it's got like a 30% rating. I mean, the repeat business on this thing is not happening. I mean, if people, as I speak, I, I would want to see uh, this, this last movie two or three times before the end of the week. I mean, they want to see repeat There is something about what the, the general uh, critics are saying about these films, the, the, the need for repeat business, and, the, I mean, the actual quality of the film. I'm not even really talking about... Yeah, I think you're thinking about, well, it's, a, it's more about the, 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 the characters, like S- Superman as a character versus Captain America as a character. No, this is really going down to the quality of the filmmaking process. When it comes down to plot points and things that don't make any sense and, you know, uh, time-honored characters that had no business dying, you know, we're talking about uh, Jimmy Olsen being Superman's best friend. He's supposed to be his confidant. That's like Alfred dying.
2: I mean, you know, there's certain things that just, you know, you have to make sense.
5: <laughs> and, and the and cartoon they, guys, seem to, you
2: know, they, they get it right.
1: Can I can okay. I ask them? Can I ask them? You guys can, let me ask you something. So, um, I, again, I'm not, you know, as knowledgeable in comic books, but I won't, you know, I understand that the Nolan Nolanverse and the new DC, separate I understand verse. they're different. I understand they're different. Yeah,
5: and separate. So, is, 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 separate product? Yes.
1: So is, is the Nolan Batman, is that is that a version of the comic book?
2: No. Uh, well, yes and no. He took it to it's new heights. But it. but that's where I, I – and and I don't know if you've heard us do this, but I've given it's, – it's become an old wives' tale now. Nolan wanted to kick off uh, Justice League in the second Batman movie. The scene – on top of the skyscraper where Bruce Wayne is still in the back costume and he's sitting at looking out on the city and he has the table in front of him, right? Okay, John, ja, you remember the scene, right? What in uh,
1: the Dark Night Dark Knight?
2: Yeah. Where okay. he's sitting down on top, he just had a hard night and the sun's oh, yeah. coming up and he's up there, right? Yeah. Originally in that scene, Nolan would have had Ten or eleven newspapers on the table in front of Bruce Wayne, and it would say, uh, "Mysterious Arrow Protector once again saves the saves the day in Star City, uh, in Capital City, or well, or Washington D.C. Princess Diana arrives." You know. Uh, the, 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 the blur, because unfortunately he wanted to tie it into Smallville also, I guess that's why they refused it. The blur makes ways in Smallville yet again. He wanted to put a larger DC Universe there, and Warner Brothers said no. That is the problem because then after Avengers hit big, Warner Brothers then go, you know, we really should, we, we really should do this, you know, we really should expand our universe, and they went this right scrambling. back to,
9: yeah, they,
2: they went right back this to Nolan and asked them about it, and Nolan bit his tongue like, really, they want to do this now, really, you know, this, that's this, why this I scrambling. give Nolan credit because Nolan could come out and trash. Trashed their hierarchy, worth it because he had these ideas and he got shut down. All right. So well, but, you know what? But this is why I say this is the dangerous thing about nerds. A lot of people don't remember. I do. I still got the <laughs> twitters. I still got the Instagrams. I still. Yes, I remember that. Back
5: to you, uh, Efren. You know, uh, <laughs> I want to. You know, and again, we're talking about these folks scrambling as. Back, you know, backseat drivers. They scrambled after, you know, for the money after the fact. And you can't chase, you can't chase people like that. Uh, now, I tell you something uh, that Snyder probably would have been good for. This is kind of going to a segue now. I'm hearing that Boom, the comic book again. Everyone's in this movie business now. They make They're doing these comic book adaptations. Uh, Boom Studios uh, has the irredeemable comic book, which is basically which is basically a, a, a Superman archetype.
7: Mm-hmm. It's, evil.
5: It's, a, it's a Superman ar- archetype where he was a beloved hero that turns bad and actually becomes the, the, the Superman that Lex Luthor envisions happening. This alien who's beloved at first, he turns on, turns, on Earth, or turns on Earth. Now, if Snyder were to do an irredeemable comic book, I'd be all in. Because that fits, fits with his need to deconstruct these superhero tropes. See, when he did The Watchmen, now, Watchmen is somewhat of a debatable film, uh, but for the most part, he stuck almost completely to the source material, even so much as actually taking lines from the comic book and, take, and taking storyboarding from the comic book. I can't yes. hate on Snyder. I can't hate on Snyder for watching me because he gave me, that was for the fans. Matter of fact, that was an R-rated movie. So I can't can't hate on that. But when you can't take the Watchmen and then translate that into the Justice League, why would you do that?
2: But that's what we said in the beginning way back when they proposed this and we got the first instance of the story. And, job, pay attention, okay? The world's finest was the story to do live action to. All right. Yep. You, don't, you don't do it from The Dark Knight Returns You don't base it Their first meeting on that Why? Because that's supposed to be Their last meeting If you've read the Dark Knight series By Frank Miller That is essentially the end of the Justice League hero, hero, Heroic Age. That is the end of the hopes and dreams and reality setting in and crushing everything. You don't set their first meeting as that because it is supposed to be bleak. The thing about Justice League is when they form, the thing about Batman and Superman is when they get together, when they get together, they're supposed to inspire hope. When you start off bad When you start your whole Foundation bad The building won't be good And that's what happened
5: Darry, you know something else You you said this and made me figure out more As to why this movie sucked in my opinion And maybe half the world Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll say this The (laughs) fact that you can see see The money aspect because it was Called Batman vs Superman The fact that you had it that this really comes from a, from a Dark Knight series? It really was Batman's story.
1: But and they went for the money,
5: and they, and they said, oh, we're just going to put Batman versus Superman and make this and make this a hype, a hype machine. They went into it correctly. If they wouldn't, they could have called it a Batman film. The way Iron Man was an Iron Man film, then you see at the tail end Nick Fury coming in. It started out as an Iron Man film. But this time they wanted to go for... Some kind of uh, Pacquiao fight, and that would, that didn't go well too well either. So what I'm saying is, if they had stayed true to the to the actual storyline, it would have been it would have started out as a cohesive story. But since they didn't approach it that way, they made it seem, oh, we're just going to put these two and put them in a fight, and then we're going to wedge four or five separate storylines and try to k- k- make some kind of sense out of madness. But when you think of the Civil War. The Civil War was, a, was a, a separate crossover event unto itself. So even though this was a different version of the Civil War to a certain degree, it pretty much stayed to the source material as a singular event, singular story. Batman v. Superman failed because it came in as a money grab, it came in as a spectacle, and it came in not even being an c- actual cohesive story. It came in with wedging of four or five different stories, and that spells failure. At least you got to come in with a cohesive story that everybody can understand.
2: But 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 again, and to put a cap on this, because we got like a couple more things to hit. Yo, yo ja, like I said, I give you lots of credit, son. I give you lots of credit. You came in, you defended your your thing nobly. All right, and that's all I ask. I don't ask everybody to believe exactly what I believe. My beliefs are my own. Your beliefs are your own. All right, but we can discuss and and, and hammer out and scream and do this discourse like men, like rational human beings, like women. Hi, Claire. You know, we we could talk about this. All right, just don't resort to the childish stuff because it brings us all down. Again, props to you, Ja. Amen. All right, let's, let's I,
5: I, I let's, as always, man, let's, let's let's move things along a little bit. Actually, because we got a few minutes remaining. Um, let's, let's, actually, you know what? Again, I'm not a Star Wars guy, and I wish I was. I think I I, Amen. I, I, Amen. I was into Star Wars. I was into Star Wars for for the uh, four, five, and six. Uh, one, two, and three just didn't do it for me. Um, I think this Rogue One will probably bring me in, believe it or not, even more so than Boyega. Uh, I had issues with The Force Awakens, I mean, even though everyone else seems to love it. But what are your thoughts about this fan film? And There's a lot of fan films out there, but I actually like, maybe because, again, to the uh, indefatigable, un- indefatigable Uncanny 2, uh, <laughs> she put this whole thing about the need for diversity, like, more pronounced in my head, that I actually liked Exile. This fan film, I don't know how people feel about it, but the thing I noticed right away, that Exile, which is on YouTube and it's a Star Wars fan film it's very gory very gory but it's gory and there's a lot of folks of color strewn across this fan film did you happen to see this, Carol? yeah, Exile? yeah. what do you think
7: about I, it?
2: I, I, I what, what did I just say? The, this medium could tell a lot of different stories and sure enough, that will that be shown on regular television? No but not everything in the Star Trek universe can be debated politically and nicely and that's what this showed and hey Star hey, Trek or hey Star
5: Wars Star Wars
2: uh, well yeah well Star Wars and Star Trek and you know yeah, not I mean you get cut with a, a lightsaber you get blasted by a phaser you get those are like non painful deaths you know, and and there is going to be blood. There will be lots of blood. You know, but the one thing that and again, this is why I look back at Force Awakens and how they wasted the raid actors, and and it makes me pull my hair out. Yo, you could tell everybody here was passionate. Everybody had a chance to shine, and it's well worth watching until they pull it down because of copyright stuff. You, you know how that goes, but, but hey, like I said, the table's big enough for all people and all stories. Back to you, AfroNerd.
5: Uh, Claire, did you happen to see this? You may, you may not have. I kind of threw this out there quickly. What, this Exile Star Wars fan film?
4: Yeah, I, uh, I I took a look at it last night. It was interesting, and you're right. You're right. It's very dark. It's very gory. Um, I was intrigued. I was impressed. You know that. I mean, obviously, we're all going to be pleased and excited to see people of color, you know, taking the lead, being the hero, doing some fun stuff, you know, and not taking a back seat. You know, to make the white characters look look cooler. So no, this was this was interesting. This was really interesting. Um, it was definitely a little on the you know unsettling side. It was definitely had kind of these horror elements to it that was uh, yeah. very different, very very different from what we're used to seeing in the Star Wars, you know, universe, which has always been family oriented, you know, very PG 13 oriented. Um, But uh, I'm curious, how did you come across it?
5: You know what? I I think it might have been. I think it was tweeted out. Actually, Twitter is the place to be. I I remember someone actually tweeting it out. I I might have been. It might have been that, or it could have been Io9. Io9 is an excellent website, and it might have been one of those two. No, you know what? I'm sorry. I think it was the Mary Sue. One of those. It was one of the blogs, or was a tweet. So uh I, can I go to these places that you would expect for folks to highlight this kind of stuff. So I think it might have been the Very Sue or I O nine or the or Twitter. But it wasn't something that I that I tripped in tripped onto naturally. But actually, you know, listen, they got an original series when, when um Darryl referenced Star Trek. That Star Trek actually I don't know if they're still up, but I think they might have been some I think they might have been too too good with with the the look of the original series, but there's a There's a YouTube, or there was a YouTube Star Trek series that actually had the the background props to the T, where it's almost indistinguishable between the 60s Star Trek and this YouTube thing. But they actually continued the stories of the 60s Star Trek on YouTube effectively. I I mean, really effectively. So some of these fan films are like, uh, what is it, what is the, the one that, uh, I think, that, that something, I forgot the name. It's a, it's a company that does, uh, I mean, bring Darrell, because his mic was on. Was
2: Daryl, what is it? That, you had the Grayson the the one. You had Batman Dead End. You've had, th- there's been a bunch of these fan films. You know, I mean, we talked last year about the Miles Morales fan film. People forget about that, where the guy ha- nailed it. And there's been a second one of that. But, see, what, what do I keep on saying? We're in an age now where if you have the resources, you don't have to wait. We pine for these big studios to do that thing. But if you get enough people that believe and have the skills together in your circle of friends, you could come up with something special. And this, this was special. You may not like it. You may not, you may not love it. But I say must see. This stuff we don't we don't recommend anything that won't strike a chord somewhere in fandom. This did. Back to you Afrenad.
4: Agreed. Yeah, it wasn't you know, it wasn't fantastic acting or writing, okay. I'm not gonna say it was perfect, it definitely feels like a fan film, but what doesn't feel like a fan film is the quality. If I if I put that aside, if I put away, you know, acting ability and dialogue and I just look at the production value. I gotta say I was impressed with Exile. I gotta say this looked beautiful. It was very well shot. High quality camera, high quality equipment and uh even with the the, the audio and the visual effects, they were on point. I gotta say, I was impressed. I mean it's not, you know, perfect, you know, because we're so used to comparing everything to like you said, the studios and the real deal and whatnot, but uh, but no, this was really it was really interesting, and it was kind of a departure, which I I like I like just the re- it's the same thing with how Rogue One looks to be its own thing, and it has it has the elements it has the elements of of, uh, of Star Star Wars, but it's doing its own thing. It's going to be more of an espionage. It's going to be more of this, you know. Um, it definitely looks a lot more diverse. That's very exciting. But I mean, it it's more intriguing, you know, and so for this it was certainly, um, a bit more violent and, and gory than, than we're accustomed to, but but hey, like you said, it's the the possibilities for fan fiction they're endless. They're endless. And you nailed it. You you took the words right out of my mouth, doppelganger. You took the words right out of my mouth. If you have the resources, if you have the people that have the skill, you know, and you can pool your talents, then you can make it happen. You don't, we don't have to just wait. We don't have to just beg and plead for the studios to put people of color in projects like this. You know, we, we, we can make it happen. We can do it for ourselves. And this, I gotta say, even if you like, you know, you might not like it, it might not be your cup of tea, but take a look. Just take a look at the possibilities because it, it is actually pretty impressive, you know, cinematography wise.
5: I was thinking about, um, in, in all respect, Bat in the Sun. Bat in the Sun is the uh, YouTube, I guess, uh, company, the fan film company that that, that does uh, one of many. They're the ones that do these uh, fan inspired matchups, Batman versus Darth Vader and, you know, Batman versus Deadpool or what have you. And actually, I mean, being completely honest, like you said, Claire, they're, they're quite good. You know, it's, it's it's not that goofy stuff. I mean, when you think about what, how far cosplay has come, you know, you used to see sloppy cats going to these conventions and not really, you know, you know of course they just do it because they're just fans and they don't really concern about what they look like. But now maybe that OCD thing is at play, but these these men and women, and then also there's money involved in it. Some of it's six-figure money if you are a successful cosplayer. These people look like they could be in these films that we're talking about. They come in a serious way. Even some of the gadgetry that's involved, uh, the engineering that's involved. I mean, that real nerd thing, that nerd affect is playing a real-life role in all of this stuff. So even when – and also the fact that the technology you – know, you know, now we have, we have regular folk – with terabytes of data. You know, Joe Blow could have ter- terabytes of data, your own servers. So, you know, now we're getting to the singularity point where we don't know. It's going to be a point where the technology is going to pretty much match or be almost indistinguishable about what people can do at home versus some major studio. Uh, the technology is getting smaller, faster. Uh, more complex. It's it, We are at an amazing time. So we have no idea what the future really holds for us. Um, I want to open this up to Claire again still. We've got about five minutes remaining. There's a story out now uh, of Ms. Marvel. Now this is the, the darker side of things. Uh, Kukuruyo, the artist, if I'm pronouncing the gentleman's name correctly, um, he... Has been causing a furor because, you know, he draws Ms. Marvel, who is a teenager. I mean, we know this is all fiction, but is you know, it's it's a little creep, or well, it little? It's a, it's really creepy that he he had some nude Mar- Ms. Marvel, who's a teenager. Uh, I mean, did you hear about this and how people are very angry about that? That you're kind of encroaching on on uh, pedo territory. Did you hear about this, Claire?
4: I did not hear about it, and I have not seen the image that you're uh, that you're referencing. But I, you know, yes, the the fact that the character is a teenager does make it seem a little bit more uh, icky. Yeah. But um, it's not the first time that I've come across fan art that has been. Uh,
2: pushing
5: it
4: beyond over-sexualized
2: <laughs> you Chan.
4: <laughs> i mean i've come across some stuff that was uh like you know you you do that on your own time hon like you you keep that in your journal in your bedroom if that's your wet dream of ms marvel or or electra or Psylocke or whoever you 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 keep that yeah yeah you you do you but I I don't need to see that because I mean that's just Wrong. Ugh, I mean and I'm very sensitive to all that. I'll just I'm gonna be I I didn't mention this earlier in the in the show, but I'm very sensitive to those you know <laughs> those frequencies. Okay, those thought patterns, those those waves because you did mention something about. Not to give anything away, because, I mean, we're not, we're not. No spy, no spoilers. I don't want to ruin nothing for anybody. But while I might have been annoyed with the even the inference between Cap and Sharon, okay, but my reaction between Vision and Wanda, I'm just going to say it. And maybe I'm wrong And call me out if I am But I You I was a little creeped out <laughs>
10: that, Well
5: let me Well let me tell you something Okay Little that creepy is, That is part Little that's creepy though Yeah I know Everyone's I know that
4: I know But I'm just saying I'm sensitive And the energy Okay The energy between It was just I was like I don't, I don't know about this Alright I don't know and there wasn't even any nudity, and you're talking about some guy drawing, you know, naked superheroes, and I'm just, I, oh, I, hmm, I, I don't know, I don't know about all that. I mean, listen, do what you want to do, express yourself, do your your drawings, do your art, but I, <laughs> I um, I can understand why people are upset, but I just. This isn't the first time that, you know, female characters in any in any way, shape, or form, comic book or not, superhero or not, have been over-sexualized, you know, or drawn or, you know, seen or envisioned in in a way that uh, is less than, you know, less than appropriate. But, I mean, but... But especially let's, when let's, you're talking about what, how old is the character?
2: Hey, hey, let's 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 call a spade a spade. People, sixteen. People, yeah, people are going to get this wrong. People are going to get this wrong. But um, honestly, it was like puppy love. All right, that was puppy love. Because remember, Fission has only been alive for like six or seven months. So technically, he's still an infant. She was flirting with an infant. Anyway, the, about the picture. Uh, what?
5: Well, that's more like Well, let's be honest. That 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 whole thing with with vision and Scarlet Witch is a a thirty year old thing, thirty five year old thing.
2: Claire's not quite so. It. It, it, it it was
5: always creepy. But first of all, the only thing I, if I'm gonna be uh, uh, picky, his voice is supposed to be a lot more a lot more like Tony Todd. If you're gonna be honest. Yeah,
2: yeah, that is true. He's supposed if, to be if if more he gravely. Had that,
5: if, it, if he had that Tony Todd voice, and there was still that romance, that's what the comic book really—they'd give you a, a, a lighter version than what the comic book really gives you.
2: Yeah, that, they would, they vision, would be
5: seen. They would be seen. They would be seen publicly, and people would re- recoil about those two. They would say, "Yeah, yeah she's with that thing." She would say, but, "She's with that thing." So that—that's always been an element in that mythology.
2: Yeah, but uh, quickly just. The, the dude's problem, everybody's problem here is if you have your vi- advice, Claire said it beautifully, you keep it to yourself. Once you put it out, then it's out there, all right? Listen everybody has problems with Frank Cho and stuff like that. And I go like people have been drawing beautiful people for a long time. Now the problem is where you choose to market it. My problem wasn't that Frank Cho drew it, but you, he drew it on a book designed to market it to, to female readers. And that's, that's lights out. Listen, I know there's an industry for this stuff, but excuse me. We don't need pedophiles. We, we've gotten a lot of stigmas. We can't shake that stigma, all right? And this just rebolstered it. That dude just made us all look like deviants again.
11: Ugh. <laughs>
4: so Ugh. Oh, my goodness. And the whole thing is, and I'll, I'll keep this brief, I'm just saying, that line, that line is so easily crossed. It is very delicate. It is very thin. Okay, and what you're saying is so funny that you mentioned Tony Todd's voice because now I'm thinking of some scenes you know where you got Zoom and Caitlin you know i and i the whole thing is is that it plays to that extreme because it's just it is easier to go there. it's easier for her to look scared and frightened as Zoom, even with the mask as Tony Todd or without the mask as. Teddy Sears, you know, either way, either way, it, it just, it's, it's creepy. It's like, oh, God, stalker, get off of me. Whereas this, this whole thing that with uh, what we're talking about, the Civil War, it was very, it was subtle, okay, it was subtle, but it was definitely there. It was definitely there. And I kind of, I'm not going to lie, just for brief seconds, I had a, had a raised eyebrow, okay. Just, just, just saying. I know it's comic book lore. I know. I'm just saying that there's something that feels a little off about this. <laughs> just and to
5: Darrow, and to Darrow when he mentions about uh, a BP and Scarlet Witch, I don't know about that. I mean, I think that's also kind of like a, the, the nervousness, the nervousness of the audience with a. Uh, an attractive black male with a white female, that always kind of play just in close proximity. Sometimes that that's kind of a projection when nothing is there. That just that's that's America. Um, I don't know, I, you know, Darrell, You know, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily saw that, but that's just that's just. I don't know what that is. That's America.
2: No, I don't, the, I don't know the, if it would the, be the, that advanced. That, that. That's just me playing off of it, but that's why I said that Black Widow's like catnip. Any man that's close to that, the way she looks and the way she radiates that, you know, you'd be like, Is something going on between them two? And hell, well, let's it, face was, it, it was implied. did date. Su- black, Panther
5: date Su- black Panther date Sue Richards?
2: Yes, he, I mean, he, he did, know,
5: actually. He you know what I mean? So, but, you know,
2: <laughs>
5: hey. Hey, no hate. We, no that's, hate let's be happy let's be happy he's in the film. No hate, no hate. The romantic elements, you know, that's that's you know, we gotta wait. <laughs>
2: and anyway, don't, folks don't, and don't think we forgot Arrow Riders, Claire for Cla- uh, Cheshire. Remember that. Claire for Cheshire. Yes.
5: As always, right. folks. Claire <laughs> Claire, uh Cap had to leave. Uh Q Storm, Job, ja, we always respect and appreciate our supporters. Going out on a high note, Uh, we'll probably dig in a little deeper with plot points next week. Always real. This is Despite the Weather by Kate Renata. See you on Wednesday and back again Saturday. Always love doing this. See you guys.
7: Not as new as huh, well. I
3: am I up,
10: am up? up? Oh, yeah. on up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My bad, my
3: bad.
7: play this stuff all the time. All the time, man. yeah, my bad, my bad. I do no catch Yeah.